Chapter Six of Elsie Venner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Elsie Venner by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Chapter Six: The Sunbeam and the Shadow. The virtue of the world is not mainly in its leaders in the midst of the multitude which follows there is often something better than in the one that goes before old generals wanted to take toulon but one of their young colonels showed them how the junior council has been known not unfrequently to make a better argument than his senior fellow if indeed he did not make both their arguments good ministers will tell you they have parishioners who beat them in the practice of the virtues. A great establishment, got up on commercial principles, like the Apollinean Institute, might yet be well carried on, if it happened to get good teachers. And when Master Langdon came to see its management, he recognized that there must be fidelity and intelligence somewhere among the instructors. It was only necessary to look for a moment at the fair, open forehead, the still tranquil eye of gentle habitual authority the sweet gravity that lay upon the lips to hear the clear answers to the pupil's questions to notice how every request had the force without the form of a command and the young man could not doubt that the good genius of the school stood before him in the person of helen darley it was the old story a poor country clergyman dies and leaves a widow and a daughter. In old England, the daughter would have eaten the bitter bread of a governess in some rich family. In New England, she must keep a school. So, rising from one sphere to another, she at length finds herself the prima donna in the department of instructions in Mr. Silas Peckham's educational establishment. What a miserable thing it is to be poor! She was dependent, frail, sensitive, conscientious. She was in the power of a hard, grasping, thin-blooded, tough-fibred, trading educator who neither knew nor cared for a tender woman's sensibilities, but who paid her and meant to have his money's worth out of her brains and as much more than his money's worth as he could get. She was consequently, in plain English, overworked, and an overworked woman is always a sad sight, sadder a great deal than an overworked man, because she is so much more fertile in capacities of suffering than a man. She has so many varieties of headache, sometimes as if jail were driving the nail that killed Sisera into her temples, sometimes letting her work with half her brain while the other half throbs as if it would go to pieces, sometimes tightening round the brows as if her cap-band were a ring of iron, and then her neuralgias and her backaches and her fits of depression, in which she thinks she is nothing and less than nothing, and those paroxysms which men speak slightingly of as hysterical, convulsions, that is all, only not commonly fatal ones, so many trials which belong to her fine and mobile structure, that she is always entitled to pity, 
when she is placed in conditions which develop her nervous tendencies. The poor young lady's work had, of course, been doubled since the departure of Master Langdon's predecessor. Nobody knows what the weariness of instruction is, as soon as the teacher's faculties begin to be overtasks, but those who have tried it. The relays of fresh pupils, each new set with its exhausting powers in full action, coming one after another, take out all the reserved forces and faculties of resistance from the subject of their draining process. The day's work was over, and it was late in the evening when she sat down, tired and faint, with a great bundle of girls' themes or compositions, to read over before she could rest her weary head on the pillow of her narrow trundle-bed, and forget for a while the treadmill stair of labor she was daily climbing. How she dreaded this most forlorn of all a teacher's tasks! She was conscientious in her duties, and would insist on reading every sentence. There was no saying where she might find faults of grammar or bad spelling. There might have been twenty or thirty of these themes in the bundle before her. Of course, she knew pretty well the leading sentiments they could contain, that beauty was subject to the accidents of time, that wealth was inconstant and existence uncertain, that virtue was its own reward, that youth exhaled, like the dewdrop from the flower, ere the sun had reached its meridian, that life was overshadowed with trials, that the lessons of virtue instilled by our beloved teachers were to be our guides through all our future career. The imagery employed consisted principally of roses, lilies, birds, clouds, and brooks, with the celebrated comparison of wayward genius to meteor. Who does not know the small, slanted, Italian hand of these girls' compositions, their stringing together of the good old traditional copybook phrases, their occasional gushes of sentiment, their profound estimates of the world, sounding to the old folks that read them as the experience of a bantam pullet's last hatched young, one with the chips of its shell on its head would sound to a mother carries chicken. Who knew the great ocean with all its typhoons and tornadoes. Yet every now and then one is liable to be surprised with strange clairvoyant flashes that can hardly be explained, except by the mysterious inspiration which every now and then seizes a young girl and exalts her intelligence, just as hysteria in other instances exalts the sensibility. A little something of that which made Joan of Arc and the Burney girl who prophesied Evelina, and the Davidson sisters. In the midst of these commonplace exercises, which Miss Darley read over so carefully, were two or three that had something of individual flavor about them, and here and there was an image or an epithet which showed the footprint of a passionate nature, as a fallen scarlet feather marks the path the wild flamingo has trodden. The young lady teacher read them with a certain indifference of manner as one reads proofs, noting defects of detail, but not commonly arrested by the matters treated of. Even Miss Charlotte Ann Wood's poem, beginning, How sweet at evening's balmy hour, did not excite her. 
she marked the inevitable false rhyme of cockney and yankee beginners morn and dawn and tossed the verses on the pile of papers she had finished she was looking over some of the last of them in a rather listless way for the poor thing was getting sleepy in spite of herself when she came to one which seemed to rouse her attention and lifted her drooping lids she looked at it a moment before she would touch it then she took hold of it by one corner and slid it off from the rest one would have said she was afraid of it or had some undefined antipathy which made it hateful to her such odd fancies are common enough in young persons in her nervous state many of these young people will jump up twenty times a day and run to dabble the tips of their fingers in water after touching the most inoffensive objects this composition was written in a singular sharp-pointed long slender hand on a kind of wavy ribbed paper there was something strangely suggestive about the look of it but exactly of what miss darley either could not or did not try to think the subject of the paper was the mountain the composition being a sort of descriptive rhapsody it showed a startling familiarity with some of the savage scenery of the region one would have said that the reader must have threaded its wildest solitudes by the night of the moon and stars as well as by day as the teacher read on her color changed and a kind of tremulous agitation came over her there were hints in this strange paper she did not know what to make of there was something in its descriptions and imagery that recalled miss darley could not say what but it made her frightfully nervous still she could not help reading till she came to one passage which so agitated her that the tired and over-wearied girl's self-control left her entirely she sobbed once or twice then laughed convulsively and flung herself on the bed where she worked out a set hysteric spasm as best she might without anybody to rub her hands and see that she did not hurt herself by and by she got quiet rose and went to her bookcase took down a volume of coleridge and read a short time and so to bed to sleep and wake from time to time with a sudden start out of uneasy dreams perhaps it is of no great consequence what it was in the composition which set her off into this nervous paroxysm she was in such a state that almost any slight agitation would have brought on the attack and it was the accident of her transient excitability very probably which made a trifling cause the seeming occasion of so much disturbance the theme was signed in the same peculiar sharp slender hand e venner and was of course written by that wild-looking girl who had excited the master's curiosity and prompted his question as before mentioned the next morning the lady teacher looked pale and wearied naturally enough but she was at her place at the usual hour and master langdon in his own the girls had not yet entered the schoolroom you have been ill i am afraid said mr bernard i was not well yesterday she answered i had a worry and a kind of fright it is so dreadful to have the charge of all these young souls and bodies every young girl ought to walk locked close arm in arm 
between two guardian angels sometimes i faint almost with the thought of all that i ought to do and of my own weakness and wants tell me are there not natures born so out of parallel with the lines of natural law that nothing short of a miracle can bring them right mr bernard had speculated somewhat as all thoughtful persons of his profession are forced to do on the innate organic tendencies with which individuals families and races are born he replied therefore with a smile as one to whom the question suggested a very familiar class of facts why of course each of us is only the footing up of a double column of figures that goes back to the first pair every unit tells and some of them are plus and some minus if the columns don't add up right it is commonly because we can't make out all the figures i don't mean to say that something must not be added by nature to make up for losses and keep the race to its average but we are mainly nothing but the answer to a long sum in addition and subtraction no doubt there are people born with impulses at every possible angle to the parallels of nature as you call them if they happen to cut these at right angles of course they are beyond the reach of common influences slight obliquities are what we have most to do with in education penitentiaries and insane asylums take care of most of the right angle cases i am afraid i have put it too much like a professor and i am only a student you know pray what set you to asking me this any strange cases among the scholars the meek teacher's blue eyes met the luminous glance that came with the answer she too was of gentle blood not meaning by that that she was of any noted lineage but that she came of a cultivated stock never rich but long trained to intellectual callings a thousand decencies amenities reticences graces which no one thinks of until he misses them are the traditional right of those who spring from such families and when two persons of this exceptional breeding meet in the midst of the common multitude they seek each other's company at once by the natural law of elective affinity it is wonderful how men and women know their peers if two stranger queens sole survivors of two shipwrecked vessels were cast half-naked on a rock together each would at once address the other as our royal sister helen darley looked into the dark eyes of bernard langdon glittering with the light which flashed from them with his question not as those foolish innocent country girls of the small village did she look into them to be fascinated and bewildered but to sound them with a calm steadfast purpose a gentleman she said to herself as she read his expression and his features with a woman's rapid but exhausting glance a lady he said to himself as he met her questioning look so brief so quiet yet so assured as of one whom necessity had taught to read faces quickly without offence as children read the faces of parents as wives read the faces of hard-souled husbands all this was but a few seconds work and yet the main point was settled if there had been any vulgar curiosity or coarseness of any kind lurking in his expression she would have detected it 
if she had not lifted her eyes to his face so softly and kept them there so calmly and withdrawn them so quietly he would not have said to himself she is a lady for that word meant a good deal to the descendant of the courtly wentworths and the scholarly langdons there are strange people everywhere mr langdon she said and i don't think our schoolroom is an exception i am glad you believe in the force of transmitted tendencies it would break my heart if i did not think that there are faults beyond the reach of everything but god's special grace i should die if i thought that my negligence or incapacity was alone responsible for the errors and sins of those i have charge of yet there are mysteries i do not know how to account for she looked all round the schoolroom and then said in a whisper mr langdon we had a girl that stole in the school not long ago worse than that we had a girl who tried to set us on fire children of good people both of them and we have a girl now that frightens me so the door opened and three misses came in to take their seats three types as it happened of certain classes into which it would not have been difficult to distribute the greater number of the girls in the school hannah martin fourteen years and three months old short-necked thick-waisted round-cheeked smooth vacant forehead large dull eyes looks good-natured with little other expression three buns in her bag and a large apple has a habit of attacking her provisions in school hours rosa milburn sixteen brunette with a rare ripe flush in her cheeks color comes and goes easily eyes wandering apt to be downcast moody at times said to be passionate if irritated finished in high relief carries shoulders well back and walks well as if proud of her woman's life with a slight rocking movement being one of the wide flanged pattern but seems restless a hard girl to look after has a romance in her pocket which she means to read in school time charlotte ann wood fifteen the poetess before mentioned long light ringlets pallid complexion blue eyes delicate child half unfolded gentle but languid and despondent does not go much with the other girls but reads a good deal especially poetry underscoring favorite passages writes a great many verses very fast not very correctly full of the usual human sentiments expressed in the accustomed phrases undervitalized sensibilities not covered with their normal integuments a negative condition often confounded with genius and sometimes running into it young people who fall out of line through weakness of the active faculties are often confounded with those who step out of it through strength of the intellectual ones the girls kept coming in one after another or in pairs or groups until the schoolroom was nearly full then there was a little pause and a light step was heard in the passage the lady teacher's eyes turned to the door and the masters followed them in the same direction a girl of about seventeen entered she was tall and slender but rounded with a peculiar undulation of movement such as one sometimes sees in perfectly untutored country girls whom nature the queen of graces has taken in hand 
but more commonly in connection with the very highest breeding of the most thoroughly trained society she was a splendid scowling beauty black-browed with a flash of white teeth which was always like a surprise when her lips parted she wore a checkered dress of a curious pattern and a camel's hair scarf twisted a little fantastically about her she went to her seat which she had moved a short distance apart from the rest and sitting down began playing listlessly with her gold chain as was a common habit with her coiling it and uncoiling it about her slender wrist and braiding it in with her long delicate fingers presently she looked up black piercing eyes not large a low forehead as low as that of clytie in the townly bust black hair twisted in heavy braids a face that one could not help looking at for its beauty yet that one wanted to look away from for something in its expression and could not for those diamond eyes they were fixed on the lady teacher now the latter turned her own away and let them wander over the other scholars but they could not help coming back again for a single glance at the wild beauty the diamond eyes were on her still she turned the leaves of several of her books as if in search of some passage and when she thought she had waited long enough to be safe once more stole a quick look at the dark girl the diamond eyes were still upon her she put her kerchief to her forehead which had grown slightly moist she sighed once almost shivered for she felt cold then following some ill-defined impulse which she could not resist she left her place and went to the young girl's desk what do you want of me elsie venner it was a strange question to put for the girl had not signified that she wished the teacher to come to her nothing she said i thought i could make you come the girl spoke in a low tone a kind of half whisper she did not lisp yet her articulation of one or two consonants was not absolutely perfect where did you get that flower elsie said miss darley it was a rare alpine flower which was found only in one spot among the rocks of the mountain where it grew said elsie venner take it the teacher could not refuse her the girl's fingertips touched hers as she took it how cold they were for a girl of such an organization the teacher went back to her seat she made an excuse for quitting the schoolroom soon afterwards the first thing she did was to fling the flower into her fireplace and rake the ashes over it the second was to wash the tips of her fingers as if she had been another lady macbeth a poor overtasked nervous creature we must not think too much of her fancies after school was done she finished the talk with the master which had been so suddenly interrupted there were things spoken of which may prove interesting by and by but there are other matters we must first attend to end of chapter six